A lot of people are afraid of failure more than enjoying the success. We would never try to enjoy the success because of that limitation. In this episode, we have an amazing soul, Sal Shacker. You want to hear her? You think you have it bad? Talk about having a gun put in front of you as a child. The trigger is pulled and the clip is empty. And uh, this, it was this, this interview that made me really change the way I'm looking at my podcast. And uh, the podcast, as you know, is called the 7-2 Mindset Investor Podcast, but I've actually tweaked it. Made me realize with the people I've spoken to as of late and, you know, as I reflect on my previous guests, this is a hero's journey. So with this episode, I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. You're going to need some, do some deep thought after this, see where you are in life. I mean, here's a story that really all the cards were, (laughs) were against this gentleman to start with. And just how he kept on playing that bad hand, kept on playing that bad hand. Now a self-made millionaire, multiple businesses, serial entrepreneur. So with that, enjoy. I'm, I'm super stoked, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I like to do a lot of research on my guests, and uh, I've been blessed. I've had Dr. John Demartini. I've had your boy uh, Carlos Reyes on this, and uh, I heard <laughs> after having Carlos on, I uh, and then you know just doing some research on you. You actually, I'm telling you right now, you motivated me to change the name of my podcast, <laughs> and I did so as I was doing research this morning. And uh, although I call it the Seven Two Mindset Investor Podcast, I actually. Now talk about the seven, two stuff, but, um, I actually called it a hero's journey. Hero's journey. A hero's journey, man. I love that name. You, uh, man, your story fuck inspired me, man. Thank you. I'm just thinking I'm getting teared up, man. Like I can't wait to get to this, man. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, so honestly, I, I, uh, I had no idea. So when uh, I had the first email, and because I don't jump on too many podcasts and I got the email and I'm like, Carlos, I have a podcast. He's like, yes, jump on it. Um, you should. The guy is a great guy. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to respond. And, uh, and it's not because I, I just don't like to get out there as much as uh, I'm like more of the back end guy. Sure. And uh, Carlos spoke very highly of you. And uh, I'm glad I got to, I'm glad I responded. And I'm, I'm here. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you responding as well. And uh, yeah, thanks for doing this, man. I know how, you know, time is, uh, you know, the most important resource and the most finite level of resource. So I, I just, I, I really want to value your time. Uh, you, my friend have such an amazing story uh, that the world needs to hear. Um, and I just feel like I'm the messenger and I'll, I'm going to do everything I can to get the message out um, and, uh, and go from there. So the whole idea behind when I created this podcast um, was to really, like I said, I really want to be a messenger. There's so many uh, phenomenal people in the world and I just want people to know that, hey, you know, there's, there's someone like you, there's someone that has experienced what you've experienced with. And just because someone says you can't do it, that's bullshit. Like there's someone else above you. And this is the ultimate mentorship. And that's why a hero's journey is so important. And um, I call myself the 7-2 mindset investor to, to shed, shed some light. I actually have a hat coming your way too. I sent a hat to Carlos hey. already. Um, and what the seven two is, the seven two is the worst possible hand in poker. It's the worst possible hand in poker. So if you if you if you if you you know are playing poker, you get a seven two. You want to fold that hand. Um, in life, you can't control the hands you're dealt, but you control how you play the hand. Agreed. And I look at your story, Carlos Reyes' story, my story. I've had other amazing speakers on here. I apologize. There's probably Amazon at the door. We'll get rid of that. Um, but. Um, and the fact is, is that uh, we played that bad hand and this is where we are today. Whereas a lot of people, um, they didn't play that bad hand and uh, now they're working at a dead end job that they absolutely hate because they right. chose the easy route, right? So when I researched your story, Sal, um, your story reminded me very similarly to a book by Dr. Viktor Frankl, which is Man's Search of Meaning. I'm not sure if you've read that book before. I'm not. I'll probably add that into my, if you don't mind, Man's Searching Meaning. Uh, man, search, man, man search of meaning. Okay. And why that book struck me when I, when I was going through my research with you and 
the backstory about Dr. Victor Frankl that he was actually, he went, he lived through, I think it was like four concentration camps. It could have been five. So he, during the second world war, he was a, he was Jewish and he was a, uh, a neuropsychologist or, or something that level. The thing is he would go from concentration, concentration camp to concentration camp. And what happened was, is it came about that he survived that, but he saw a lot of other people dying. And he could actually predict one's death. And ultimately, to paraphrase the main message of that book, it's that it's not the circumstance that defines you. It's how you choose to respond to that circumstance that defines you. And it's the power of choice. So maybe we could start with there with your backstory, because you've had lots of choices and you could have chosen otherwise and you wouldn't be here today with me. Likewise. So let's talk about your backstory, man. Absolutely. Well, my name is Sal Shakir. My real name is Salwan Shakir. So a lot of people butcher it. So shortcut Sal was, uh, was born. Um, I'm actually a Catholic from Iraq, which is a, a minority, like a fraction of a percent mm-hmm. uh, in Iraq. So um, we, I moved to the United States when I was 15 years old. Um, but before we moved to the United States, living there was not um, the optimal living. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously, um, because as a, I remember when I was a kid, well, I don't remember. I remember my grandma telling me a story when I was a baby, there was, a, there was some kind of a war going on and bombing. And she used to say that you used to, um, sleep under, under the blanket and, the, the, the milk bottle hanging from outside and like, you're just hidden and drinking it. So I'm like, okay, I guess there is worse since I was a baby, but living in there, that's kind of a normal thing. Right. So if, if you, you live without electricity, half of your week, it becomes like a normal thing. And when is the power coming? When is the power going? Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like how other countries operate. Sure. So we we're like, I always, I always say it's like, we're blessed. If you're living in the United States, you are blessed. If you're living in obviously Canada or other countries that, that provide normal essential living and like we are blessed. And we don't see that unless we experience the other, the other aspects. So, but living there, it was normal. So to someone asking, well, you, you've been through this, you've been through that. Obviously there is some pressing uh, things that happen in life and like life and death. And those are crazy times. Mm-hmm. So just to backtrack, I, I was a good kid going to school. Um, I used to go to church with my grandpa all the time. I used to actually be an altar boy at church. So I lived a normal uh, life that any kid can have back home. Um, fast forward, the, the most recent war that happened uh, in the United States and Iraq, um, I was, I don't know how old was I, I was in, like in the teens, the very early teens. And um, no, actually before 12, 13, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, and then my, everything changed, right? Not because of the war itself, but Everything changed because I'm, I'm grown now. I'm not a little kid anymore. Um, my, my, throughout, throughout the few years, a couple of years within the war, there was a lot of insurgencies, uh, like people are fighting, um, you know, that, that, that fight for, for a cause. And there's other, other different, uh, different groups in there. And throughout these, these times, I remember what the fir- first time we got broken into, the house got broken into, and my dad got shot. Second time, and the second time when we left that, uh, Iraq, there was, there was bullet holes in the house that we didn't even fix. Like we left without really fixing it. And I remember this, um, things like this make you grow up at an early age. And uh, I remember the first time we got broken into, I opened the door and I ran upstairs to check on my parents because I sleep in, in my room. Uh, my brother sleeps there, my grandma, my parents sleep upstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I run upstairs and my parents are like, don't do this again. You can get killed. Yada, yada, you know, all that, all that, uh, they're lecturing me. And I'm like, okay, I, I won't do it again. Now the second time happens, something happens. There was bombings that's happening in, in an area nearby. That was like a common thing. So I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, waking up my brother. I'm like, man, they're really like doing numbers on that area right now. And uh, because it was like uh, the choppers would like fly by and like, you know, shoot and there was like there's something that happens in there too right and i told them and i fell back to sleep and all i can hear is like a thudding noise then i hear footsteps and a thudding noise so 
because the first time we got broken into it, we, we deadbolt the doors. Apparently someone is running and trying to break the door. At that point, we start freaking out. Me and my brother are screaming. There is a thief. There is a thief. We don't know who's there, but we're just screaming thief. And all I hear is like bullets exchanging, like massive amount of bullets. And apparently there was multiple people inside the house. Um, what I do um, from the first time I learned my lesson, I'm like, dad, I need something to defend ourselves with. So he gives me his knife. And so I have a knife. I grab the knife. I open the door. As soon as the bullets stop, I open the door and I start running upstairs. And I see two people running away. So I'm like, okay, they're, they're gone. And I continue going upstairs. As I go upstairs, there is our stairs like this, goes like this, and then that. Sure. And as I'm going this way, this guy comes in and here he, he stops. He sees me and freezes. Then he pulls the trigger. I kid you not. There's like moments in my life that like I, my hair stands when I yeah. talk about it. Like there's moments in my life where God has like saved me from uh, where I don't know how. Holy shit. And he shoots and there's no ammo. There's no bullets. So he's going downstairs while changing. He's going down the, and I'm going up and I have my knife held and I'm still a kid at that point. So I don't know what to, I still don't know what to do. I'm not thinking. I'm just going upstairs to check on my parents. I hold the knife close, I buckle up like this, and I just continue running. Apparently, I elbow the guy, he falls downstairs, he, he drops the clip. We actually had the clip until the day we left. And uh, he falls and runs, and obviously, and they give me the same lecture, you can't, you can't do that when there's, you just barricade and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there's moments in life that makes you grow up before knowing, and like before you're ready for it. And to some people, it's poverty, right? Like in poverty, like you have to be responsible. In situations like this, and I can name a dozen, me and my brother almost been kidnapped a handful of times. Um, I, back home when there is a game, uh, like a soccer game where there's something happened, they celebrate, they shoot ammo up the air. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't know why it's illegal, because the bullet hits the floor the same speed as leaves the weapon. And I've seen bullets fall next to me multiple times and, and it didn't hit me right so you can see like things that happens that's like well that's maybe not normal that's abnormal so you kind of grow up faster than you should and poverty even there was poverty that wasn't the first concern mm -hmm. survival is the first concern mm -hmm. right and then who do you who you care about so it's almost the same thing when you're in the when you're living here and you're living in poverty or you live you know day by day and trying to catch up you still have people depending on your family your wife your kids whoever, whoever that may be and you try to protect them and provide for them and in the other sense it can be the same thing you just literally this is literally life and death sure so money is not really and not really something you worry about yeah uh, fast forward there was there was a time where we decided that we had to leave because my dad was a contractor with the u.s military okay and uh he made me his office manager. So I had a computer. I was, I was using a, a software called Omniform uh, to send kind of like invoices. And kind of, I felt cool to help my dad do this. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was maintaining the generators for the, for, uh, for the company that is in charge of the kitchens, of the chow halls inside the military bases. Okay. So we would send invoices. He would maintain the generators and fix them if needed and you know, send invoices and, and all the good stuff, emails back and forth. Mind you, I, my English was awful. Didn't speak much. I used a lot of translation. I used to have the little atlas uh, little <laughs> keyboard one that you sure. can translate. And uh, just did that for a while. And I felt cool helping my dad. Um, when I wasn't doing that, I was working with my uncle. And he had like a little workshop that he was manufacturing, uh, almost like a power surge uh, protector. Mm -hmm. So back home, power turns off and turns on whenever it needs to. Right. And sometimes you don't have power for a few days. But because the power is so volatile and like you would have a fridge that burns, you don't want yeah. to burn. So we have these little protectors that you plug in and then you plug the, the out to the outlet. And so it doesn't burn your, uh, your utilities. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was helping my uncle manufacture. So I was like a worker, just soldering stuff, you know, following, uh, following something. So that was like my interest since I was a kid, I was like engineering stuff, like nerdy stuff like that. And fast forward because we were number one uh, Catholics from in there. So we were like a, 
and working right. with the U.S. military. So it was like a double whammy. Absolutely. And I'm not saying like, Muslims are great people. They're, I'm not saying like the, the Muslims or the, they're bad. It's just the radicals. The radicals felt like we were like jackpots. You, you're working with the U.S. military. You're a different religion. If I kill you, I'm going to heaven. Yeah. So we had a lot of different threats and different scenarios. And one of those happened to, um, and I don't know the reason why, but to our cousin, uh, they tried to break in their house. They shot up the house and then she was trying to call the police and her husband was defending and she ended up uh, being shot. And I get a phone call from, from uh, my cousin, which is like, she's only three months younger than me. And she's like, please come. There's some people breaking in the house. I remember this moment vividly. And I think this was like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, my, my dad has just came back from his first trip outside. Um, he went to, to the Vatican to, to go visit. And it was, it was like cool. And then he went to Sweden to visit his brother. But he, he had an ear infection when he came back. So my mom and him went to the, to the, he, in the somewhere in the neighborhood, like a couple, few blocks away. Uh, there is usually uh, a lady that gives, you know, uh, almost like a nurse of the block. Um, yeah. They don't have this in the United States, but they have this in other countries. Sure. So it was me, my brother in the house and my grandma. And I'm watching Oprah. We have satellite after the war. So it was yeah. cool. We didn't have only the two channels or three channels that, that we had before. And she calls and she says, please hurry. There's someone in the house. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I grab my dad's gun. I tell my brother, go grab dad. I'm calling my dad. He's not answering. So he gets on the bicycle and he, he goes to my dad and I'm running on the street. Mind you, it's like a, a two or three miles away. So I don't know what I'm doing. I'm still a kid too. Mm -hmm. I'm running, running, running. And I see the burger joint place. The, the, the owner is driving by and he, he's like, are you okay? I'm like, can you please drive me over there? I, it's an emergency. So I get in the car. I'm driving halfway. He sees a checkpoint and Back then, when if, if you get caught with a weapon, you're getting locked up because there's too much too much heat. They don't know who, they don't know what. Yeah. So I'm like, it's okay, just drop me off here. I'll continue. So he drops me off. I'm running, and I see my dad flying in the car. He honks. He's like, get in. We get in, and he's I don't know what got into my dad. He drove through that that checkpoint. He said, follow me, follow me, and everybody somehow followed him. I don't know if it's his voice, his stern, like something. So we go in there. She, the mom is bleeding, get her in the car, go to the hospital. They're operating on her. Someone comes out and says, we need blood. Me and my brother, super young, running in the hospital, not knowing what, what that is, just saying, we need blood. We need blood. Anyone that we see, we're saying, we need blood. Anyway, uh, fast forward a couple hours later, she was announced dead. Fuck. And I remember that day I walked into to, to my cousin's house and there was the coffin on the floor and, she cried. She said, why did they do this? Like she, I, I, I still like that. That moment is one of those you, you can't forget. Yeah. And I think that was like the moment that we decided we had to leave. That was it. Wow. And um, we left to the, we, we, we obviously applied to, uh, to come to the United States in multiple ways. After some time, we were able to come here. We came in here legally. We had an asylum. Uh, we actually came in here as a work permit uh, with my uh, uncle uh, in, that lives here, my dad's cousins that lives here. Uh, I call them uncle, but they're yeah. not directly uncle. Yeah. And uh, and then we applied for an asylum once we landed here. Right. So for two years, we did not get accepted. We got actually denied for the asylum. Right. And we had to re up, re up, uh, appeal it, and then we got approved. That's uh, it took me a little longer to get uh, to become a citizen because of that two-year delay. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so when we came to the United States, we think money grows on trees. <laughs> this is this is a fact. Anyone that comes from a different country, sure. the movies make it look like there is money everywhere. Like life is normal. You know, you wave at taxis in New York; they just stop. Like it's like cool. Absolutely. Uh, we come in here, and uh, life is not as easy as we thought. You know, uh, obviously we're just getting set up. We're getting adjusted to it. I'm, I'm trying to say, no, we need to go back. I don't know how to speak English. I can't adjust. Like this is a whole different, different culture for me. And uh, my dad failed financially. Like he's a, he's a smart guy where he, where we're from. But then when it comes here, it's a whole different culture. Everything is different. Right. Um, 
So he tries everything. He, he even went to school to become an AC technician. Uh, he studied for it for a year. He actually became number one in school. They even put it on their magazine. And he had a, he, he had a partner and the partner said, as soon as you graduate, we'll quit, buy the van and do everything. My dad bought the van, everything he could, set it up. We, I helped him set up a website. And from there, as soon as he finished, his partner says, well, I can't leave my job until we have work going. He's like, look, I barely speak English. I graduated this, but I don't have technical work. I just only have work and book knowledge, and that's not what we agreed on. That dismantled. Yeah. He tried to move. He tried to open up a moving uh, a trucking company. That failed because it was the gap. Like when when the economy crashed. Yeah. Every we had we bought a house. We barely managed to buy a house, and then now he can't afford the payments. Right. And like along all that time, I see my dad sitting outside. My dad cried twice in my life. I've seen him cry twice. Maybe he no. cried more, but one of those times was his brother's death. And the second one was him feeling like he failed financially. And I didn't go ahead. Now, was this, because this is a question I was going to ask you in my research. Are you discussing about the chair that you hate? That's the chair. Yes. That's the chair that you hate. Yes. Okay. You want to make me, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but as you talk about this, you know, this, you know, folks listening to this and watching this. Um, yeah, this is, this is one of those key moments. You just have to listen about this chair. So I urge you all to pay attention to this. No, thank you for stopping me. Um, yeah, I need to focus on something. Sometimes I like my mind, like works too fast. No, okay. I speak too fast. You're good, man. So I appreciate moments like this when yeah, you do uh, focus on it. So there was that chair that I, I remember he doesn't know that I'm like watching and I see my dad crying and mind you, my dad is a big guy and he had lost 70 some pounds in like a very fast number mm-hmm. of days. And um, I just felt like that was, that was like the most, I think that was the turning point of my life because up to that point, all I needed to do is study and graduate and be an engineer or a doctor or something that's what my family want me to do mm-hmm. like that is something like it's a must in our family and before that everything seemed like it's we're barely like i'm i'm barely adjusting to everything but at that very moment i knew there was a bigger responsibility than i was doing mm-hmm. Whatever that meant. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew there was a bigger responsibility. Right. Whatever I have to do, I'll never, I'll never put my parents in this position ever again. They've been through too much to, to survive back home, to, to keep us safe and bring us over here. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment I start applying for any job possible I can. Mm-hmm. Like I applied for everything and anything. Mm-hmm. And at some point I was doing... Well, most points I was doing, I was working as at, at a laundromat as a customer service and like fulfillment. And, and then when I did not have, like it was part-time where well, I didn't have that. I was working with a guy named Sal as well for the, with the AC business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was his helper and Arizona is a very hot place. Uh, yeah. Not as has as Iraq, but yeah. it's, it's pretty hot. And when I didn't have that, I was doing some plumbing, um, I was doing any plumbing I can do because I was always been handy. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't have anything else to do, I was knocking on some doors of golf courses because throughout going to, uh, to the, within the AC journey, mm-hmm. I saw some rich people live on golf courses, mm-hmm. but I saw their fences rust out from the water. So I'm like, this is an opportunity. Let me go to the knock on some doors and say, hey, I would paint your fence. You give me half of it so I can go buy material. And, and then after that, after I paint, after it's finished, you can pay me the other half. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my side hustles. Whatever I can do, I do it. I go, well, Hey, do you have a side job for me? Do you have this? And, and I got smarter. I'm like, what is this zero hour school thing? Mm-hmm. Whatever that means, it sounds good. So let me ask. So zero hours is when you go to school earlier than the other students. So you can leave earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can create more time. I can do anything else. So I start going to zero hour school and I leave earlier so I can do anything else. And that continued on for, for some years. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, I uh, worked, I went to San Diego on the 4th of July. I'm ready to go to college. 
I'm still working, but I'm ready to go to college. Mm -hmm. And my parents are very strict on that. Like you have to go to school. So I go, I signed up and everything. I go to the 4th of July, on the 4th of July to San Diego. We go to this house party with my cousin, my brother's there. And I meet this person and she calls the next day, my cousin and my cousin calls me. She asked him if I would like to work in a company that she's a manager of. I know what that company is because some people were doing it. It's a, it's called, it's a, there's something called rotation before the military gets deployed to the, to the middle East or anywhere else, they go through a series of training of two weeks to three weeks. And it's, it's simulations. There's uh, ampute fake amputees there's fake blood there's fake explosions there's um there's uh, uh blank bullets flying you're wearing something like uh it's called miles gear which is like uh almost like laser tag sure. and you have some monitors you know uh oh, they're called ocs and like they make sure that you know if you're shot if you're down they give you a card after 10 minutes if you bleed out no one helps you like you're dead and if you get captured you get interrogated so i'm like yes i am interested in this job and um I was still working at the laundromat. And um, so what I do, I'm like, I'll take the job. I was supposed to be back. So I call, uh, I call my friends from high school and I knew there was a girl that needed, that wanted a job. So I'm like, Hey, do you want my job? She's mm -hmm. like, yes. And I'm like, and she's like, my sister wants a job too. I'm like, perfect. Two people. So I call my manager and say, Hey, I won't be coming. I'm not, this is not my two weeks because there's not two weeks, but uh, I won't be coming, but I have two people for you. Right. And I just, job they ended up getting the job so i don't feel too bad about leaving that uh that job like that mm -hmm. and uh, i do this for three and a half years the training so i start from a role player uh and then become became a team leader became a site manager assistant and became site manager at the end of the, okay. the journey and um it was the one of the most amazing things i've done in my life it taught me discipline sure. because the military is a lot of hurry up and wait so if you're if you're if you're not early or late and uh, doing a lot of this throughout mm. those years taught me a lot of discipline. Right. And uh, I was the young one that was hated by other managers there because I was leveling up to, I was young, leveling up faster yeah. because I was so disciplined. I was doing whatever I was asked the proper way. I wasn't, I wasn't doing it just, oh yeah, I'll do it and, and finish. I was doing everything like I should be doing, like with, right. all, with all my powers. And it was a good gig because every time I go, I have a week or two from the month uh, to come back and do some like do side hustles. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I saved up some money because I go in there, I get paid three thousand dollars, thirty five, thirty three hundred dollars, and I don't pay for food in there. Okay, food is free, so I'm like there is no there's no distractions, there's no expenses. Sure. So I did it for a few times, and now I have some money saved. Now I get to buy some cars. Yeah. I go to the auction and my dream was always cars. I loved cars. Sure. And we would go to the auction, buy five, six hundred dollar car, yeah. and you know, try to repair it, put tires on it, clean it up, and run it back to the auction. I was wholesaling cars uh, back to the auction. Love it. Was it. <laughs> it was a disaster for a year and a half. Um, you know when you know like there's a blessing in disguise, like like I am, I was, I'm so blessed of being stupid at times. Some people are like, no, I was so stupid. I'm like, I am blessed for being stupid. I love being stupid at times yeah. because if, if I wasn't stupid, my mom would have said, Hey, uh, stupid for a year and a half, you're losing. Like, maybe this is not it, sure. right? <laughs> maybe there is something else. Yeah. Um, so my own ignorance was, was a bliss. It was, was, was a blessing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, I uh, yeah. Add it. There's one idea. There's one mindset. If someone else can do it, I can do it better. That's that's the one model that I like to live by. Love it. Love it. <laughs> the you know it's amazing, and I, I, I this is just amazing because yeah, look, I mean, at the end of 2021, I'll be doing over 100 million dollars in sales, and people ask me what is my top sale, and it was the one I lost. That was the one that was the one that made me a million hundred million dollars in sales. It was because I had to lose to get better and understand and take a step back. Um, Absolutely. In this marketplace, it's too easy to win. Uh, it's too easy to pretend to win the false positives. Right. And, you know, as, as, as you're speaking here, you know, my one of my coaches is Tim Story and Tim oh, Story talks about and Tim Story says, right. I mean, his big thing is it, it, 
it's not a setback. You got to take that setback, turn it into a comeback. And in your case, you know, man, like what you're, what you're sharing is just, I mean, people listening are probably just like, holy fuck. And I thought I had it bad. Right. And look at what you've done with that is uh, uh, Tony Robbins says life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. So yeah. if, if, if I can get your permission here and, uh, and just push on you a little bit, have you ever thought why this is all happening for you? There is moments, uh, obviously, you know, life is, a, is a, a continuous lesson. There is moments in life where, and I actually shared it with my mom one time. And I said, look, I, I want, I would rather just, just die right now because like nothing is going our way. And one of those moments was actually because back home, when we got broken into my mom would not sleep at night and a lot of nights she would wake up and I'm like, what are you doing? So she was, she would be watching the shadow under the door. I don't know if you know, there is like, like a kind of a glare, like light when there's light outside there's under the door. You see yeah. that light. Yes. And I'm like, what is she, what are you doing? She's like, well, so I can see if someone is trying to break in and I'm like, it's okay, mom, I got this. I'll, 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 I'll watch tonight. Yeah. Just so she it can give her some ease. Obviously, I'll fall asleep. Of course. And just knowing that some people may depend on you, just knowing the fact that there's people that depend on you. Yeah. That, like that is the biggest goal that should want you not want to give up. And I'm not talking about life and death. I'm talking, I'm just taking this to the stream because there is some moments that I felt like this is it. Like there's no there, I would rather just die than live in this fear because mm -hmm. there's continuous fear mm -hmm. and I can translate the same thing into the fear of, you know, um, of, uh, failure. Cause mm -hmm. a lot of people are afraid of failure sure. uh, more than enjoying the success. We would never try to enjoy the success because of that limitation. And throughout life, I don't think things that happen, like I'm just saying when, if you survive bullets, you survive being kidnapped, almost being kidnapped. You survive yeah. like multiple scenarios. You yeah. know, there is things like there, you know, someone is watching for you. Yes. Like there is someone is watching for you. I, I believe in God. I know God has had me in, in my entire life. Right. And that is like the biggest thing to know. Like I know something happened for me to understand. I, I'm going to give you an example into entrepreneurship. This is, this is about entrepreneurship and everything. I'll give the best example. Yeah. I would rather you lose millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars right now because it's going to teach me a lesson when I become a billionaire so I don't lose $100 million. Boom. Absolutely. That is the that, – so I have to learn. So if, if, I, if I bitch and moan about something that happened to me right now and play the victim, let me give you – by the way, let me give you something. No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit about like, boo-hoo, I'm, I'm tired, I'm sick, this happened right. to me, blah, blah. No one really cares. Yep. All what people care about is how can you serve me and how can I serve you back? That's how the world goes. If you start crying and, and bitching consistently, not just that you push people away from your life that can change your life, but even you push, like, you're going to attract bad, Absolutely. bad, whatever you want to call it, bad karma, like bad, law of attraction, you attract that. Yes. And, if you don't look, and obviously we're, we all, uh, there are some scenarios that happen and you'll start bitching about without knowing. Obviously it's like, mm -hmm. we're human, right? We're going to make mistakes. But the fact that mastering when it happens to you and knowing like, okay, this is the moment it's happening for me. Like, what can I learn from this? You don't have to know right away, but the fact that you can put it on your radar, Hey, this is happening for me, whatever it is. I don't know it now, but I'll probably figure it out. Yeah. As long as I adopt that idea, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very powerful. And, and that's very powerful, man. So I'm going to, this is going to be a segue to my next question. So you're in Iraq and you're Catholic and you're doing work with the Ameri with the, with the U S military. Yeah. Then you're, you, you come back, you move to the States and you're Iraqi. Yeah. Like, how was that? Like, <laughs> was it worse being a Catholic in Iraq or being an Iraqi immigrant seeking asylum in the U S so it's all a matter of perspective, right? Okay. Uh, life and death, uh, like trying to fit in. Now I'm in a high school. I'm like, I'm scared. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, my, I'm getting the shivers, like walking to school. Right. 
I don't know what to expect. I don't know the culture. I don't know how to speak English. I don't know much. And that alone, you know, so a lot of people think, oh, you came to the greatest country. Yes, I agree. But some people can't really adapt that easily, mm-hmm. especially if they come older. If you see some, some communities in, in, in this, somewhere in the States, you see like uh, the Arab community or the Jewish community or other that came from other like Ch- Chinese, Japanese, Chinese, or wh- whatever that community is, you see that they have, they don't even speak English because mm-hmm. they have to stay around the area that they're, that they're comfortable with. They, they speak their language and everything. So that's like one way of, of, of adapting to it. But the right way is obviously to adapt to it and, and try to adapt to the entire culture and, and to learn the systems, everything, how it works. Sure. And obviously it's, it was very scary. Um, was there dis- discrimination? I mean, there was. It wasn't, I, I wouldn't say that was that significant because if you come from like life and death and you see that you're like, eh, okay, let me just clean that up. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't say it was, it was that extreme. Maybe to someone else it would be, but in my perspective, it was just a way of life. And I don't blame people. If they, if some people are intimidated by someone they don't know, right. If we don't know something, we're usually intimidated by it. Right. And I'm like a change of this person. I went to, I went to Awatuki, which is, was like a super white neighborhood. Uh, we stayed in an apartment there when I went to high school, super white neighborhood. Um, and I was probably one of the only two or three Arabs in the entire school. Okay. Uh, there was a, there was a, a handful of African-Americans there. Like it was a super white neighborhood. And uh, at, the, at, the, at first it was like, you know, who is this guy? But then at, later I was like, Who's, like he's different you know let me ask him like i would get asked some weird questions of course is iraq and afghanistan i'm like yep that's the one yeah. <laughs> right so <laughs> um but it was it was a good experience overall i yeah. wouldn't call it a bad experience for and whatever happened that there was some discrimination or some something i felt like that was again that was for me that happened for me at later time obviously at that moment i'm young I'm like, why is this happening to me why can't i be just like a normal kid yeah but you, you start to understand you know this is it's part of your building your character absolutely no i i totally understand i appreciate your honesty there um there's uh one of the things that you said in a previous interview was um like in 2009 seems to be everything started and if you were to if you were to now being 2021 if you can give yourself advice today when two words when you were in 2009 what would that advice be so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stubborn person. Okay. Um, I'm a Taurus. I even like have a Taurus like sign behind here. My, <laughs> my dad's a Taurus. I get it. I get it. Okay. My dad's We're very stubborn. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I have something that I call the bull mentality. Yeah, that's, that's a different topic. Right. And, and I would tell myself to seek knowledge because I would, I would have done it this way. I would have tried to ask and seek knowledge before it's too late or before, before years go by. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, uh, I probably lost for a year and a half in the car business because I thought I knew it all. Sure. Although it was a blessing, right? It built me up, but I would still get the knowledge because with knowledge, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like if you use that properly, obviously you have to go through the turmoil, but you use that knowledge mm-hmm. You know what makes someone an expert if you know a little bit just more than some like the person in front of you and that's it like when we first learned real estate when i first when i went to the 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 sean terry flip to freedom i could not sleep for a couple of days literally i would call carlos in the middle of the night i'm talking about like two or three o'clock at night it's it's almost like i have the power like we're gonna take over the like we have some we know something that millions of people don't know therefore like I'm getting, I'm, we're going to do good. And I wish I could replicate those feelings more at a younger age, sure. besides me being stubborn and wearing the badge of honor. I do it all. I do this. I do this. I, I don't work these many hours a day. I used to wear that as a badge of honor. Absolutely. Uh, fast forward. That's not financial freedom or freedom. No, not, it's not. No, thank you so much for that. And it's so true, right? I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, I, when I started doing this early on, I was doing it by myself and, you know, just slugging it out. But at the same time, you know, I was a cheap motherfucker. That's what it came down to, you know? And what it came down to is it came down to, why would I spend money on that when I could just figure it out myself 
and time. Time is the most precious resource. And I look at my time that was lost. And yeah, I can go back and saying I learned a lot, but like in, 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 Institutional education, for example, you go to college, the best education one can get is a co-op program because a co-op program is, it's, you said knowledge is power, but the knowledge, knowledge is power is going to come from the action. So a co-op program is hiring a mentor. So I made a pledge myself that I'm going to invest over a million dollars in my personal development because this is the only ROI I have control over, right? That's why I, I feel when I'm speaking to someone like you, I'm getting that mentorship. That is powerful. Carlos, that is powerful. Right. I, uh, you know, um, my other, um, other masterminds I'm part of, I mean, Tim story, I'm investing heavily because that is the only ROI I have control over. Cause I'm going to take what we're talking about today and I'm going to apply it right away. I'm going to apply it right and say, Holy shit. Like, I mean, I'm complaining about this and Sal had a gun to his face or his body and the clip, it was empty. It's perspective. It's perspective. Right? So, um, one of the things I want to ask you as well, because you, you go through your, you know, the hero's journey, right? I mean, you can't, you, you talked about it, by the way, thank you for your service uh, in the military and so forth. I mean, you know, thank you. Um, so you go through this journey and now you're a self-made millionaire. You have multiple businesses. You, I believe you own a car dealership. I did. I, I gave that up to the family now. Oh, you gave it up to the family. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Carlos Reyes just sent me a text here. Cause I said, tell me something I need to pick. I need to pick on Sal here. And he said, ask you how your first year has been with a child. How, how has it been? What? Oh, my first year was, oh man. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <Carlos. laughs> my son just turned eight months yesterday. Awesome. Yes. I never thought I was going to like, it's not, I was never prepared to be a father like this, right? Like, sure. yeah, obviously we're pregnant and I'm ready. Like I'm going to be a dad, but I don't think I was prepared for this, these emotions because um, I'm not a very emotional person, like publicly sure. and I don't practice it as much, but that is probably the one thing or the biggest thing that like touches me emotionally. Like I walked through the door the other day. And he is on the walker and I open the door and he stops and he's like 15 steps away and he looks and he smiles, laughs, and then he runs toward me. I'm telling you this, this moment, uh, like that moment, I can't describe it. I just grabbed him up yeah. and it's just a rush of these beautiful emotions that it's, it's kind of hard for me to experience. Yeah. And that was just coming from, from my own child, like my own flesh. And I don't mind changing his diaper. And if you, like, if you, if you were one of my friends, you know, like I'm, I'm not touching that, but I don't mind changing my own kid's diaper. That should like alone tells you something. And uh, I knew that I was building a legacy for something great. I knew I wanted to take care of my family. Um, you know, my family wanted me to go to college and study and have like that. Uh, I finessed it and I told him I would go back to college when I said I'd become an entrepreneur and I'll go back to it. I did not go back. Of course. Just, uh, like, and, uh, I was able to pay off their mortgage. Now uh, it's been a couple of years back and that was one of the most amazing feelings. Right. So like taking care of people like around me. Right. But now I want to impact more people, but leaving a legacy, I knew like I needed to leave a legacy and having a son, having a child put that in perspective, like this is going to be my legacy. I'm not talking about financial. No, I'm, I'm talking about, I want this child to do greater things that I could ever have done no. um, because of, of, of whatever it is, because of, you know, I wish I came to the United States when I was five years old instead of 15 years old. I wish, but I, I want him to do greater things that I can, I could not accomplish. And this is going to, he's going to carry on that legacy. So my legacy is not going to die. And uh, it is, it is the most beautiful feeling. Uh, do you have, do you have children? I do. I do. And you know, as you're talking about this, cause I remember exactly what you're talking about. I'll talk about my daughter and I remember I'd come home and she would just sit there and just watch me. And I, and, and she was just learning how to walk and she would just stand there. I remember a little ponytail on the side of her head and she would just stare at me and watch me and she would have this smile. And it was like, she just knew that I was coming home at that moment. And now she's 14 years old and right. You know, and I, you know, and she, I found out, she didn't tell me this, but apparently she did a, a high school project and it was an English assignment as literature. And she actually, her topic was 
her subject was, is my dad is the most courageous person I know, because when I hit rock bottom and she saw how, you know, I had to go through the demons and all the bad, bad stuff. But then yesterday she calls me up and she goes, Oh yeah, dad, I'm working on another project. I'm like, cool. What's the project? She goes, we have to choose a profession. I'm like, okay, cool. What did you choose? And she says, I chose real estate development and investment and investor. And of course that is my background. Um, so you know, when you connect the back, the dots backwards, you just say, okay, maybe I did something right. <laughs> right. You absolutely did. Yes. I appreciate that. So it's not easy. It's not easy, man. Like there's, this is, um, it's no joke when they say an entrepreneurial journey is a lonely one and there's going to be a lot of sacrifices made. Um, and that's why I love what you said about this legacy, because I'm a firm believer. I don't believe in generational wealth. I think generational wealth it creates entitlement. I believe it creates a victim mentality, maybe not to your own offspring, but your grandchildren and all followers, right? So I believe in generational intellect and passing on that generational intellect. And that's, I believe, is what legacy is, in my opinion, because it's going to be the driving force. Absolutely. Right. Um, one of the questions I had for you here, and I got a couple more questions because I know I've taken a lot of your time here, but... Um, don't free. You can ask as many as you want. Um, behind you, you have Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality. What does Mamba mentality mean to you personally? Oh, man. So that book was given to me by, uh, uh, by Zadie. Uh, his, his nickname is Zadie. And he said, man, every time um, this book reminds me of you, because, you know, it's just you're, when, you're, when you're, no one is seeing what you're doing or what Sal is doing, you're always working on your craft. You're all, and that is, um, that's almost like the, what the book is about. Mm -hmm. And remember when I said at the beginning, I'm not too out there, right? Yeah. On social media, I'm not, not too out there, even on social media. And, and uh, because I'm always working on my craft, like I'm, and if I'm not now spending some time with the wife and the kid, I'm like, if, if you know me a few years back, I was working during the day and at nighttime when everybody's sleeping, I'm working at nighttime, like two, three, four o'clock coding and doing some like background stuff to improve our, our operation in the daytime. Sure. And it's, it's always like when I learn something, I, it's like when you find out about something, then you're like, there's such a thing. There's like this <laughs> world. And then you start YouTubing it or Googling it. And then it turns out it's an entire universe. Yes. And before you know it, your beard is growing you're behind the screen. And so that is me, <laughs> that, that is me. And, um, I just get obsessed and I want to make sure that I know as much as I can and I want to apply it right there. And then I hate just to learn and let it go. Like I instantly, if I learn something, it's already in my task list now Right. that I need to implement it ASAP. Right. And I think that is my Mamba mentality and, 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 you know, you know, rest in peace. He, he, he did an amazing job at working on his craft and being the best. Absolutely. And, uh, if someone can do it, you can do it better. Right. Absolutely. Um, last two questions. All right. The tombstone question, the tombstone question. I asked a question I asked all my guests and what it is, is the day we meet the maker, we won't be the ones deciding what's going to put you put on our tombstone. Someone else will. Mm -hmm. Will be written on your tombstone. That's a good one. Relentless. Boom. Love it. I love <laughs> it, man. So true, man. You said relentless. I got chills down my back because it's so true, man. Um, this is an easy one. How can people find you? They want to uh, social media. Sal Shakir. S A L S H A K I R. Uh, on IG at Sal Shakir, on Facebook Sal Shakir. Um, I tried to get back as, as, as now I'm a lot better now. I got some help from Carlos's uh, folks that organize my social media. So I, I get back to folks if they message me, uh, if not the same day, you know, next day or same week. Sure. And uh, yeah, so I'm doing, I feel better. I feel better at this now. I feel better at social media. You're natural and you are because you're real, man. There's no bullshit. You just say it the way it is. You speak from the soul, not even from the heart, but from the soul, man. And I just want to say thank you again, uh, Sal. This has just been, wow. I mean, just really tapping in and I'm blessed that Carlos had, had connected us. 
Uh, so thank you, Carlos, uh, for that. And like I said, I do have a 7-2 hat coming your way, just a way, a small way of saying thank you for your time. Uh, man, just keep on doing what you're doing. You're, 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 you're onto something, my friend, and you're motivating a lot of us behind the scenes. Just do be, be, just keep on being you, my friend. Thank you so much. And by the way, I would love to meet you. Uh, where, where do you live? I'm up in Canada. So uh, in fact, so a lot of things happening. So I'm working on a trip out because I'm actually, Bedros Koulian has asked me to go to his, his studio to do some stuff with him, filming a podcast with him. And that's going to be happening, I think, late summer. So I'm going to be making a, a U.S. tour. So I definitely want to come out see you in Carlos Reyes, man. All right. If you're flying in the airport, I will pick you up. Oh, man, I appreciate that. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No God problem. Bless you. Thank you. How was that, man? Oh, it was fantastic. Thank you so Good. much. Good. Um, I don't get to, I usually talk more about like work. Yeah. What we have business and everything. And I don't think we even talked about anything there, which I, I love. I, I used to like stay away from talking about this um, yeah. personal stuff, but I felt like when you, when you first start asking, like when you opened up, I just felt like I need to, to talk about this more work and money and monetary stuff is, is irrelevant. You know, I'm a firm believer that our vulnerability is our superpower. Um, everything on the outside is just a flex, but we need to be like this, like, that's the part that I believe is more motivating is going to be someone's backstory. And I appreciate you being so transparent. Um, I've actually had people come on my podcast. Like I've actually had Dr. John DeMarti on my podcast and people share with me and they're saying, we've shared things with you. We've never shared with anyone before. And I, I said, think you, you have that that ambience. You have that. You, you, there's something about you. I, I felt like I said some things I haven't told people um, like maybe in like fragments, but like together I haven't told wow. all in this. So I do believe that you, you have, I don't know, but you have a beautiful soul. I just want you to know that. Oh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. This from right here. You seem like a genuinely good person. Um, like I, I'm honestly honored like that we met today. Oh. You really made my morning today. Oh, man, this has been great, man. I, I can't wait. And you know what? Like I said, I can't wait. This is going to go out and just, uh, just inspire so many people. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So life, you know, we talked about life happening for us. Um, and you know, you, what happened to you and, and is happening is going to, is going to empower other people. So it's for other people as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, man. So we'll be in touch. You I'll, come, you'll, get, you'll get the soundbite and uh, looking forward to connecting man in the future. Thank you. But if you come, I'm holding your response. I'm accountable to this. You'll <laughs> let me know. We'll pick you up from here. I can't wait, man. It's going to be epic. All right. I appreciate you. Thanks brother. Right. Thanks again. Thank man. You. God bless. You too.